I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Diminishing the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind in the business Got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, Chris? 2022. Yeah. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. There's one of my bombs, see? <laughs> right off the bat. Right off the bat. I'm letting you know this is That's explicit. That's just a warm-up, though, because <laughs> I'm waiting for the F-bombs. <laughs> you know, we try to treat it like That's the writer's room. That's all. Anybody can say shit now. Like, I know. Like, it's real easy shit. <laughs> <laughs> what's your boy's name made that... Uh, uh, what's his name Whitlock from he right. made it a thing right. from The Wire yeah he right. made it a thing that's right. he holds that shit out though uh-huh. I seen a TikTok where a dude was doing all the variations of laughing and like black laughing and it's crazy <laughs> it's like the runaway laugher mm-hmm. and the I'm trying so hard not to laugh I want to see somebody do a variations of how many different ways you can say shit mm. cause it's a different meaning it right. is every, every different completely. way completely right. yeah completely right. What was that Cedric Entertainer broke down motherfucker? Was that was that Cedric? Oh yeah, see that was nice. So, that was nice. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I oh no, it's fine. This this is why we call the rant room because we go yeah. off on some shit. You uh-huh, know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, what's up, Chris? How you doing? Welcome to the show, man. What's I'm up? good. I'm good. I'm just. Uh, <clears throat> it's been a good week. This week's been really, really good. Um, I was doing a director shadowing. Um, Still can't air. share with no, the damn no, show. No, no, no. You can. No, this is because we're air, this, this is going to air in two weeks, right? Yeah. So I can say what it is next, next Monday. I can see what it is. Okay. I can see what it Go is. Go ahead. So, yeah. So, I've been director shadowing on Star Trek Picard. Oh, my God. It's you can been say fucking it. awesome. Star Trek. Um, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. <laughs> I, I wish I could say what's happening in season three, but it's so far <laughs> out, and, it is, and it's going to blow everyone's fucking mind, um, but I can't. That's big, man. And, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, the shit I saw the other day, I bet you no one in their mind would expect... When I just was just pulling off the monitor, like let me get a snap of this, let me get a snapshot of this. <laughs> Shit they never expected to see. So <clears throat> it's been awesome. It's been good. really, really awesome. Um, yeah. No. You know, I can't, I can't wait for everyone to see season two and season three. Yeah. So. See, Chris is ready to direct the show. Yeah. Dude can direct his little butt off. And there's, there's an art to you know, you direct, you do everything. There's, there's an art to being able to direct and work with actors. Yeah, because there's a lot of technical people in the world, but everybody cannot do the other. That's right. You know what I mean. And, and to have both is 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 a gift. You can make the argument that on uh, in <clears throat> television, how you handle crew and cast is going to be as important, if not more important, for, than for what sure. you can do with the camera. Right. Um, whereas in film, you know, a lot of people put up with a diva in the oh, director's yeah. chair in film because <laughs> they know it's a finite amount of time. Exactly. And, uh, and when you're doing TV and you're turning it out week after week, directors come in, these guest directors come in, sometimes you have brilliant, talented, creative directors, mm-hmm. but 
uh, as soon as their episode's over, you got crew and cast coming to you saying, "Don't ever bring, bring that motherfucker. Don't ever bring him back." Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, see, to me, to me, that was the ultimate lesson I learned from from being in the room and then going down to set on on a bunch of different episodes. Is that you'd hear what the showrunner and the number two are saying about the directors. Mm. We're sitting there watching the cue take mm -hmm. in the room every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Terry would come in and go, let me watch because we got some shit happening. And he'd be like, this, this is, <laughs> and, like, ah. and I'd be like, oh, man, I'm taking notes, taking notes right. on what they're talking about. Because mm -hmm. directors hear what they say. They'd be like, motherfucker, I ain't working for you. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't working for you. Yeah. You oh. tripping. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. We, were, we were doing an episode the other day. We were talking about uh, with actors. And um, the, actually, the two, two, two of the stars are starring the show. We were just telling you about Ticker. And we were talking to them, and we were talking about how it's so important for me that I always tell uh, actors, if you can, I know we're in the time of Rona, but when, as soon as we finish, work for free. Do whatever you can. Work with those casting directors. Read for them. You will be able to sit at the table mm -hmm. and see what we see yep. and understand why you're not being cast. Yeah. And it's because we have those conversations after going, oh no, nah, dude, uh, they did such and such. Did you see when she came in? She had a little attitude. Whatever the Man, thing is. For, as someone who's been on both sides of that mm -hmm. and came broke into the business as an actor, um, and then now writer producer, seeing the difference, right? Um, that what you're saying is so true. Mm -hmm. So so first of all, <laughs> there's first of all there's your approach, and I started having some success as an actor and never really upped my game in terms of my approach. Right. And that may be a lesson to me in terms of what I really wanted to do because as soon as I started getting a taste of writing, I felt myself being drawn towards that transition. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also like how you're taught, right? So I didn't even know the difference until I got to be around actors who were doing it at the next level. Right. Like their level of preparation, the level of forethought. Uh, even you, I don't care. I'm talking about you could be talking about on a on a soap opera or mm -hmm. a, a really like ABC procedural where mm -hmm. you just feel like they just saying words. No, these actors are approaching this in the most serious way. Right. So of course, the highest level. If you are not right. bringing your game to that level, you're not competing. Okay, sure. that's number one. I learned now. I was like, oh, so that's why I didn't get that serious. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm up against motherfuckers who's out exactly. here at, trying to figure out like where this dude came coming from, off where book, be ready to do it now. too. Look, yeah, and mm -hmm. and it's like I had I was I was a great memorizer, so I could come off book, but I'm I would be looking at a scene like, what's the scene about? Mm. And I I'll go watch an actor. I'll never forget. I saw an actor on Burn Notice. Man, he he pulled me to the side one time to talk about a line. And he is talking about how, just based on this storyline, this mm -hmm. is connected to all these other episodes that have occurred over the last two seasons, mm. right? And he's already seen two episodes. He's read scripts for the following two episodes. So now he's got to fit that all within. Mm. And he's trying to interpret this line based on that That's context. <laughs> okay, so you really taking your, you know what I mean? That might right. be overboard, but right. I'm not even close to that. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, what was happening in the scene? That's all I cared about. You know, what are my lines? You know? So, and then the other pieces, and I even had reps who would tell you like, mm -hmm your audition starts the minute you're in the waiting room right. right so we all get taught that we start you know keeping that in mind and um it goes so far beyond that like how seriously that is taken is uh is is beyond like yeah. I, so once i got on the other side of it even how i was so my mood is a situation yeah. right so some days I might not care if you just kind of like, you know, a little bit like low energy and not trying to like really light up the room. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I'm like, 
I'm like, man, I've been up 20 hours <laughs> writing these things. I got right. pulled into this when I need to be in the writer's room. Right. And I'm I'm tired. I'm a little bit irritated. I'm this, I'm that. And mm. then this dude come in here like he could care less. Okay, well, I could care less too. You right. can go in the trash. And then that, with that headshot because well, we don't have time. Well, my assistant might come right. in there and be like, kind of gave me the little brush off. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, guess what? You right. know what I mean? Best mm -hmm. audition of the whole thing. He ain't working for us because right. we, we need an environment, right? That is the main thing is that who is that the the pressure cooker of a television production is intense as fuck. And it's so different than a movie because you're, doing, you're working so fast and you're seeing everyone for a long, long time. <clears throat> and I mean, in season two... We had some people who were rubbing everyone the wrong fucking way in the writer's room. And we were like, Crazy. if we, and, and, and what we were doing the whole time was, how do we get rid of this person next season? Right. We, right. Were, we were thinking. Right. Everybody was thinking. We were thinking like, how, like <clears throat> how do we figure out a way to have this person not come back? Right. Yeah. You know, and that's like fuck. It. I mean, and you and and you and if you as an actor, you're like, oh well, I'm good. I'm a series regular. I'm getting my hundred k an episode. Mm -hmm. Now if you fuck up, <laughs> not right. to make everyone not, like not right. like you. You know, because yeah, people didn't. I mean, look, my show is an expensive show with costumes and shit like right. this and makeup and everything. And and this, you know what? You know you're signing up for that. You know, if you sign that contract and on a sci-fi show, you might have to wear some shit that's it'd be oh, a little yeah. uncomfortable. Yep. Don't complain about it. Yeah. Because then it's like, why do we? Well, you right. get, you get yeah. a lot of money. Well, and, well, and they get that extra fee for the makeup. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> you know, go that, if you got to send a chair for everybody, yeah. but one of the one of the uh, little metaphors I use for dealing with actors mm -hmm. and like how actors get looked at by by the, by the producers and the writers is like you're on a plane, right? So. Before this episode is shooting, before the show is up and running, it's, it's the plane, you know, is getting cleaned out and we're doing writer prep and we're doing all this stuff, right? We haven't boarded the plane yet. Mm. If we start seeing a problem passenger who maybe they're drunk, maybe they're it, maybe, and we are already noticing it's going to be a problem once mm. we get up in the air. Anticipation. Then we <laughs> might not let them on the plane. Exactly. Okay. He's tripping the TSA line. Oh, no. You ain't coming in. You know what I'm saying? You ain't coming in. So, and we still have time because we can fill that seat with somebody right. on standby. Right. Now, once we get in the air, if especially if you're in the, you know, the top tier of the cast, now you're the baby on the plane. Mm. Now, I'm hoping you're going to be cool, but if you start throwing a fit, and saying I need candy or I want soda <laughs> or I want to walk up and down the mm. aisle, mm. some of that has to happen, right? Because we're in the air, right? And all we want is the baby to stop crying. Mm. But you gotta understand, when the plane lands, we gonna make sure you're not on the next flight. <laughs> now, if you now if you get a runaway hit and right. you gotta start, they you gonna deal with the crying baby. Right. Like, I'm a, I like to talk tough. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to deal with the crying baby. You might do everything you can to reason with them, hope they get a little more mature. But if they cry, you're going to deal with it because it's a runaway hit. But it's not, to your point, Chris, there are times where a number one, number two, or number three on the call sheet, and they are sort of like the VIP passenger. Mm -hmm. They're that crying <laughs> baby everybody's taking care of. But you can't really go anywhere on that plane. You gotta land it before you can do anything. But there are times where actors become baggage. Mm. Mm. And if baggage is a problem, we just gonna let it go mm. mid-flight. Right. And a lot of actors don't realize when Sometimes they you gotta pivot. to that category. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they're sitting there throwing. They might they might have never been stars to us. They weren't. We might have always seen them as replaceable, and they never really understood that. Interesting. And so then when they start acting up, it's an easy button push to get mm. rid of them. Right. <laughs> and then other times, eject. <laughs> other times, it's somebody we really think we need. They're valuable to the show. Right. But at some point, the headaches they're causing outweigh the value we see them having mm-hmm. on the show so Facts. we gotta let them go well it was this thing that, that Terry used to say all the time or he said it not all the time but a lot he was like never work on a show that's named after the main character yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. he yeah, was yeah. like don't <laughs> ever do that you know so as a note to writers don't name your show yeah. a main character <laughs> yes. you're playing yourself you're really that's playing a yourself huge, huge thing there's so many fun little rules like you know Dick Wolf would be talking about never do a uh, never do a one-hander now mm-hmm. one-hander is when you have a single lead show yep. so like there's a primary and if you'll notice he tries to build these universes in his mm-hmm. shows where he can fire anybody he needs yeah. to and it's so, never just from one point of view yeah. it's always and sometimes uh, a star emerges or right. like in the case of like what was it SVU uh, it was a two-hander, mm-hmm. but then one of them left, mm-hmm. and the show was a juggernaut at that point, right. and it became a one-hander. It's Mariska Hargitay. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, from what I've heard, she's great, and so it's not a headache. But that would have been a, an exception for him because yeah. that would be a situation where he's got to do what she says because right. that's what's going to maintain the show. But mostly, he's trying to create shows where he has some flexibility. Um, and and I was warned on that too. And like mm. all the things would be like, well. Uh, don't write a one hand or be careful <laughs> about this or that. Uh, now I get all that, but I'm also like, nah, write what you do, and and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, roll the dice. The best thing you can do is write something like that you're driven to write and right. not be worried about the sort of like the the rules of the game, mm-hmm. and then see how it lands because you know you're gonna have some fire when you're done mm-hmm. writing that, as opposed to try to check these boxes um, that are more like. Well, if that show goes, it'll be easier. You'll have more flexibility and all that. So, um, but you definitely got to keep that in mind. So, yeah, I mean, I think let, it's, let it's, me introduce something real quick. Oh, we, yeah, we yeah. a little late to the, the game. game. Yeah. <clears throat> Welcome to the rant room. Y'all know how we do it on the rant room. <laughs> now, if you guys are grown, we go ahead and jump into the show. Since you hear him, we got the big bro in the building, the icon himself. Yeah, I called you that. Oh my um, god, that's how we look up to you. That's how we look up to you. Nothing but respect. You know, <laughs> Ben Watkins, y'all, writer, producer, showrunner, director. Former actor. I was about to say former actor. You, you yeah. Do you say former actor? You, or you yeah. still feel like you got it? You might do it one day. I'll What'd definitely be doing it again. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm still like stuck. You know, I'm a former actor yeah. too, so I'm always like, eh, eh. I've been <laughs> saying I'm going to do it again for a long time. Right. And uh, just, I've, I never ruled it out. It's okay. just, it was never the right time. Mm-hmm. So... Because uh, I'll be thinking, oh, I, I don't want to take that energy right. right now away from the other things that I'm doing. Um, and sometimes I'll say, well, I'll write myself a part in this or that. But then I got to be careful with that because if it could be easily become something that becomes a, a, a burden. Yeah. You'll be like, oh, no, now I got to do this when right. I really want to finish this episode. Or mm-hmm. I got to rewrite or whatever. Well, you could always just do like a little, <clears throat> you know, you know, like under five in an episode, yeah. you know, come in yeah. and do that. Yeah. I mean, that's how I got my little cameo is um, I, I got a cameo in the show. Um, Cause my boss, he always would get a little, a, a scene in the, every season, but he broke his foot <laughs> and he didn't want to go down and get 
all the heavy makeup and everything like that. And he was like, I'm not doing it. I don't want, uh, someone's got to do it in the room. Someone, some, he, yeah. he, he wanted one of the writers to do it. So so that was me volunteering. I said, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, and I went down and got scanned and became a Romulan and shit. And it's, <laughs> so, it's fucking wild. So Now you're you insane. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I, well, see, I don't have any lives. But I kept saying, where's my appearance fee money? Right. Yeah. Because I need some money. Yeah. <laughs> they should at least be featured or some shit. They got to do makeup on you and all that stuff. Um, that's yeah. you know. Nah, see, yeah, you know that's the extra uh, work hazard. You got to <laughs> extra yeah. pay hazard pay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I love acting. So I definitely want to do it again. I, I, I include it in in the realm of storytelling. Right. So um, I, I yeah. only miss it. And I talk about this a lot on the show because we were like, oh, you got a good look. You should still be acting. I'm like, eh. The only thing that I miss about it, like when I go see, because we have like season tickets to, you know, Broadway shit mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if I go see Hamilton or something or, you know, anything, I'm like, ah, if I could be Aaron Burr, yes, I would go back. Okay, <laughs> you so know you what I mean? Come back. At, yeah, like, at I the come top. from musical theater. You, you know, know what I mean? Saying? So I wanna, yeah. I wanna kill it. But you um, don't wanna but, be like, you don't wanna be like a, uh, 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 what was the, a, a lower character. You trying to start at Aaron Burr? Well, that why not? Okay, I'm with it. I'm with it. <laughs> he don't wanna yeah. be in the chorus. I, got, <laughs> like, I was already. In the chorus, I'm a grown ass man. Yeah, now. Like, yeah exactly. Right? I nah, man, yeah, nah, man. I feel like I could do that. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. So yeah. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself. You know where you're from. You know how you got into the game. Because yeah. I know you and I grew up. You know in a similar area. You from Berkeley. Mm-hmm. You know me from EPA. Yeah. You know what I mean. So let's talk yep. about you know your your background. Um. Yeah. Ben Watkins. Um. I, I don't know about icon. I like that little over the top. Uh, you know what I mean. Uh, but definitely been. We trying doing to claim this. it for you, man. Yeah, I've been doing this for a while, and I'm proud of that. Yeah. Um, and, and definitely proud of, of uh, what I've been able to pull off. Um, and uh, as you mentioned, I'm from Northern California. Mm-hmm. I call Berkeley my um, hometown, but uh, that's not entirely accurate. But I have to do pick one because I basically moved so much. Me too. When I was a Me kid. too. I was from I'm from Detroit. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. But I grew up there since right. I was seven, so I don't even claim Detroit. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was um <clears throat> I was that you know in a family we we moved um every year we moved every year of my life till I was twelve or thirteen. Mm. So I never went to the same school for more than a year, uh, maybe once in that whole run. And then, uh, and then after that, you know, I went to middle school for two years, and I went to two different high schools. So I moved a lot, and sometimes it was as close as moving from Berkeley to Oakland. Okay. Sometimes it was as far as moving from Oakland to Illinois. Oh damn. Um, and then I finished high school in Sacramento. See, it so sounds like his father was on the run. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I was little, thinking it was like military or some shit. Interesting, you say that <clears throat> it is actually it was a crimes. single mother. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, and I've never said this, I've, I've said this before. Tell it, tell it. But I have not really pushed her on this. I think that it was a mother who was on the run. Mm. But she wasn't on the run for something bad that she did. She was on the run from like her demons that, uh, it, that moving a lot gave her that thing to focus on. Mm. And, and, and put all the energy into. So mm-hmm. she was a single mom raising three kids. It was a struggle, hmm. and we'd be moving, moving, moving. If you got settled, now you got to start dealing with things, hmm. right? And so there would be a quick pivot. Oh, we need to do this, right. or I'm going to find this other. Because that's the only thing that really makes sense, especially considering, like, we moved, like, five, six times 
within a 30 mile radius Damn. so we're not even talking about like yeah you ain't trying to get away you yeah, just move this ain't no national move <laughs> exactly, so yeah um so yeah i think that's really really what it came down to and let me ask you a question do you think um so here's an interesting thing <clears throat> we grew I, I was born in detroit then we moved to brooklyn until mm. i was just about seven then we moved to the bay mm-hmm. right now we moved to epa and we were i'm just gonna say it we grew up in a white neighborhood Mm. We moved to the Bay, and you know EPA yeah. is like the worst place in Oakland. That's right. And I believe when we moved in town, I didn't discover this until years later. Apparently, we were number three on the worst place to live in America. Yeah. I had no Especially idea. Especially during that time. Right. And I always tell people, if you ever seen the movie Dangerous Minds, that was the high school in my right. neighborhood. So growing up in a neighborhood like that, all of my homeboys, their father, the uncle, the brother were like former Panthers. So I was engraved in that. I was just curious from you growing up in Berkeley and in Oakland mm-hmm. during that time in the 70s and 80s and whatever what did you did you did you experience that too especially if i believe your mother was white if i recall your mother was white you yeah. know what i mean your father's black you know what was that like for you guys you know was it even rougher or more tumultuous or whatever you know growing up like that cuz it was tumultuous for us and we had to fight back yeah you know what i mean yeah i mean i think for us <laughs> it was like you know there were definitely there's all these different facets to it right um, so you have a white mother. She actually came from an upper middle class background, mm. um, but she made decisions in her life uh, that kind of made her sort of like a black sheep. She was right. kind of like you're on your own type decisions. Mm-hmm. Some of it just by you know you married a black man, you decided to move to California. Like just geographically, you don't mm. have that support. So we didn't really <laughs> no inheritance for you. <laughs> but, um, and my father wasn't around, so. Um, she was doing it all on her own okay. and that meant we were poor so we would basically fluctuate between blue collar working class neighborhoods to just straight up poverty mm. um, and then we would and then now you have these mixed kids and there's certain With neighborhoods the pretty hair look at him <laughs> <laughs> they uh, you know so you would have so sometimes you have an issues in black neighborhoods because you're mixed and yeah. you know that's gonna be a thing they're gonna figure that yep. um, sometimes you're gonna have an issue in white neighborhoods mm-hmm. or, or or like that because you know you're, you're mixed you're black right. and they, they see you as black we right. did a year in Pinole, California at a time when they were really there was a huge backlash against uh, minorities moving into the community mm. so it was you know KKK was <laughs> active this this is Pinole. Right, right now it's a whole different thing but back mm-hmm. then KKK's active um, they, they writing niggers Mm. under the stop signs wow. so you pulling up to a, a, a intersection it says stop niggers wow you, if you riding your bike and you're black they're trying to run you into a ditch and so Kid, kids got it made today i'm telling you oh but they, <laughs> soft. You know, soft. Today are soft oh yeah they have they be like oh these microaggressions and i'm like microaggressions yeah, that's, that's a microaggression <laughs> man we got some macroaggressions rolling exactly. up at us with a fist behind yeah. us exactly. now one of the things to, that I've always felt, and you know, we get into some of this later probably, but I, I, I don't mind, I sometimes wonder if the overt aggression is better than the microaggressions, because you don't have to interpret I think so, shit. yes. You know. I wanna know. it's about to be popping. I wanna know, right? yeah. And the microaggressions, you're like, wait a minute, was that? Is she following me through this store? <laughs> or did she, oh, did they just treat, and then that right. actually builds up, it becomes this, you know, cumulative effect, whereas exactly. if somebody run you off the street, you're like, I know yeah. it's on and popping. Don't fuck with that house right there because they crazy right. or whatever it Don't is. Don't put on yeah. the street, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead, of, instead of who did this, yeah. you know who did That's it. Right. That's right. Yes, we for went, sure. And uh, when we first moved there, my, my mother was working 
uh, in the city, so I'd go to school, and since I didn't live, uh, oh, what happened was the she city of San Francisco, just like most yeah. of y'all know. <laughs> so she she moved us to the school first, mm-hmm. right? And we didn't have our house yet, so she started having to drop us off so we could start get, get mm. to get in school there, and then I'd get picked up like four or five o'clock. Hmm. So I'm sitting in front of school. It started off with me sitting in front of school waiting for like two, three hours. Then wow. I started like venturing out a little bit. But like two, three weeks in, uh, I'm sitting on a jungle gym <laughs> with three white kids. And one of them say he, he's, he's dressing up as um, KKK for Halloween. What? And wow. I was like, oh, you're joking, right? He's like, no. And I'm fighting. We're fighting right uh-huh. there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, if this lady. For Halloween. For it was Halloween. a thing, especially yeah. back then. It was, it was big. And, 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 <laughs> he, and then he ended up becoming a friend of mine. <laughs> so he didn't dress up as KKK, number one. But we also became friends. <laughs> Interesting. And I would kick it at his house. And, and I remember his mother would be like, you got to go at certain times. Oh, <laughs> can I drop? I can drop you off now, whatever. Turns out his father was KKK. Mm. And his father had a rule, no niggas in the house. Mm. So his mother was super cool. He was cool. I would be hanging out there. She'd give me little after-school snacks or mm-hmm. whatever. But I can't be seen. Got to hang out. Yeah. Dad's going to let home luck. in a minute. Y'all yeah. better get going. <laughs> yeah. Tell him where to go. Yeah. Tell him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. So, so yeah, so I, I got to see all levels of it. And I think that um there were a lot of drawbacks to moving so much. There are a lot of drawbacks to that. You know, like... You're going to fight in the first few weeks everywhere you go. No doubt. I was the youngest in my family, so I was kind of like, you know, I wasn't picked on by my brother and sister, but I was definitely getting the worst of it Mm. at an early age. So Mm -hmm. one of the things with that was I wasn't afraid to get hit. Mm. So anytime someone was ready, I was like, oh, physical interaction is is one of the fastest ways to engage and, like, figure out where things stack. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was happening. Basically, he wasn't no punk. That's what he's trying to tell you. Well, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't, but you I didn't have no idea. You can't be in the hood the, and be the, a parent. The more, you I, the, 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 <laughs> as you get older, you start doing more math. Like when you're, when you, you know, when you're in grade school, you'd be like, I don't care. Exactly. You, I'll fight anybody. Right. You get old enough where people can knock you out. You be, you start doing a little check them out, looking at how they see stand, stand. Yeah, does he got a stand? Does he put his back? I'm talking shit to a dude. He, mm-hmm. I see him get a little smile, and it ain't no fake yeah, smile. Like yeah. he's like. Ooh, this gonna be good. I'm like, oh man. So now, now, <laughs> I said too much. talking skills got to kick in real quick, real fast. Let me but, let me talk you down off but, of Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? It's you say that because there's always a moment, and this is something I think is funny. It's like in a lot of there's a trope in television. I don't know if people notice or not. If someone's talking shit to you, or the character, they turn around. And then they come back and hit you. Mm-hmm. You know, like they you, sneak you. That's yeah, what yeah. we used to call it's it. It's like, hey, hey, mm-hmm. hey, and they turn and then they come. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like that is such a trope. Yeah. Because to me, I'm like, the minute I see you turn, mm-hmm. I know you're swinging. Mm-hmm. So it's like, step back, mm-hmm. or you got to punch them when they're turning. Yeah. You know, but that's something that I think that other people who write those things don't know. That's what's happening. Because mm. it's like. Yeah, that's what's got yeah. you, you. You see the body language. You see the yeah. body language. See, that's what on. I'm saying. I, don't, I hate all of that. I don't mm. like talking shit either. 
I'm like, uh, if, if I don't want to do the dozens because mm-hmm. I'm poor, I got holes in my shoes, <laughs> my teeth are crooked. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to do the dozens. Right, right. I, I want to either fight or mm-hmm. just go play. Right. So <laughs> my rule is, right. I'm kind of the same way. If we've started a conversation, my rule is don't come in arms distance of me. Mm. That's that I'm swinging. If you're right. in arms distance, I'm right. swinging. I don't know what else is gonna happen after that. I might be running after that, or we might be fighting. But I don't want to do. The See, this is fascinating. I love this conversation, by the way. This is fascinating because you know where I grew up. Like I told you, when I came into the neighborhood, they were punking us big time. Mm-hmm. The way mm-hmm. we talked, because yep. we were so proper yep. at the time. Yep. Yep. Now I talk hella ghetto, but at the time it was really, really like gee, dad and blah blah blah. Yeah. And it was funny because years later, the dude who used to punk me, I finally got bigger than him. Mm-hmm. And we were we used to be on a wrestling team, and I was starting to do taekwondo, you know, and whatever. And I always tell kids today, I almost have no sympathy. I feel bad for this. I feel no sympathy for kids who get punked. Sorry. Here's why. Oh yeah, give me that one. Did, let me explain. Let me wow. just be clear. Are we gonna get controversial? Let me, like, yeah. hold on, hold on. Let no me let me be clear with it. Let yeah, me be clear. Yeah, yeah. No, let me clear. What I mean is this: kids are the worst, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you're not teaching your kids, if you're not teaching them how to fight, they need to learn how to fight somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now people are like, oh well, kids aren't allowed to touch each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not at school, bitch. Yeah. But when they get off school. They're walking home, getting on the bus, whatever. You still are off, you know, the, the premises, so to speak, right? So I'm like, what about the rest of the world? Right. Not just at school. Right. So I'm like, you need to put your your kids in martial arts. You need to do mm-hmm. something, boxing, something to teach them to defend themselves so that they don't become a punk. And I'm saying this as the black dude. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm saying this as a guy who is being punked, right? Right. This is how it turned for me. Yeah. So... You know, a year and a half of martial arts, I put my foot to his throat up against the wall in front of everybody. Yeah. And everybody's like, holy shit, don't fuck with Hilliard. You're not a little dude. You're a good athlete. You got a lot of things going for you that, you know, some people might not. I was already giving signs I I was gay, so it was like a lot of, you you know know what I mean? You already know you're going to be fighting. My, and I, I think a lot of us can relate to that depending on where you come from. If if you have learned that, that, that physical altercations are part of the, the spectrum of communication. Right. Uh, you get a, a, adjusted to that. It's hard for you to like then navigate a world where people can say something and not expect to get smacked. Yeah. You know, and right. that happens. Yeah. Was, right. You know, this no, happened to right. me yeah. in the writer's room, literally. Like, there were times where I'd be like, and I wouldn't even be the one, the target of the conversation, but I'd be like, did he just say that to him? <laughs> and he's not, he's not well, doing he's anything? He's not doing nothing. He's not doing so, it. Right, right. But, and I also, but I was to the point, and you seem very close to this. Hmm. When I had kids, and it was time for them to go to school. Mm-hmm. And my wife was pushing public, I mean, private schools. And I said, no. Mm. I want them to go to public school. Not just any public school, but a public school where they will have to fight. Damn, you because took them to Compton and shit, didn't you? I, I tried to. She, <laughs> really? she was like, no. And I appreciate her for that because mm. that was where she drew the line on that. And, and I was convinced that you had to learn how to mm. fight. You had to get that toughness. And so that's where we got it in the hood right. or in the school where it was tough and you had to fight for yourself even if you weren't well equipped. Like even little dudes oh, yeah. had to know how to stand up for themselves. Oh, yeah. So, but she was like, you don't need to literally be in a war zone in order to learn no. toughness. And, She's and correct. maybe you don't She's need correct. to 
fight. Now, to your point about being well-rounded, especially in this world and having some self-defense, I'm all behind that's that. That's all I really sure. mean, yeah. to be honest. Oh, okay. It's really, no, because, yeah, well, and, and that's really what I mean. responsibility yeah. is like. Teach you kid, I mean, look, yeah. look, I, you, this, this, I remember this kid tried to bully me one time when I was get, cause, because like I was getting bust in the third grade. And I remember this guy was trying to bully me, and I was like, I can't let this slide. I'm gonna have to, and it was on the bus, so it wasn't at school, but that is what it is. But you know, I got in a fight with him on the bus, and the principal's office, yeah, several times. Mm-hmm. I was like, I do, he, was, he was like, he was like, he was like two grades older than me, much bigger than me. I was really, really a small kid. And I was like, I don't care if if, if I get hurt. Yeah. Um, and I said to myself, he's not gonna hurt me more than my dad has hurt me, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. or my uncles hurt right. me. So, because he's just a kid, you know, so I'm just gonna have to fight. I mean, and I wasn't expecting to win or to beat him, whatever it was. I just was, I, or, or even to get him to stop. Right. It was, if you fuck with me, there's gonna be something. You know, there's 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 gonna be a price we're both gonna have to pay. That's right. You know, that's all that I wanted him to do. You know, it's, to, to know. But, and see, all I'm saying, sorry, sorry. All I'm saying is this though: when you learn how to fight properly, yeah, meaning whether it's martial arts or boxing, I or whatever, karate, you I, understand. I'm taking karate. Fucking that karate. I don't need to get in a fight. Yeah. All I need to do is hit you in the nose right there. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Pop. You'll Absolutely. be like, what the fuck just happened? That's you right. know what I mean? But but, but but the thing about that is. I look. We had a situation where there was an actor was bullying the writers hmm. on our show, and wow. I was like, "Someone needs to tell him to shut the fuck up <laughs> and use those words, like mm-hmm. say fuck, right. shut now the fuck up, there. dude." Now we at the f bomb that part of the show. Well, Let's go. Well, no, no, because it's, this is an explicit no, it's, show. It's, okay, no, it's, yeah. be, it's, it's because he was just like railing at everybody for a long time, and I was like, "Yeah." No one's gonna say anything. Mm. Yep. No one's just gonna let this happen. And I was like, someone needs to say something to him. Someone needs to match exactly what he's saying, the same vitriol, the same level of what it was. Because if you don't do that, <clears throat> they're gonna feel they have license to talk. I mean, it's just it's the same, the same well, thing. Well, yeah, you, you know? got. I mean, like, and I, you know, it's interesting because I'm like, you got to be a certain way. So there's just a certain level of respect everybody mm-hmm. got to have for each other. Right. Or it could get physical. Mm-hmm. In the hood, you learn that. And that's why it's ironic because in the hood, people stay respectful. Yeah. Unless they're ready to fight. Right. And you know why? Because the rules come from prison. That's right. right. <laughs> so and it's like, don't look at me a certain way because that means something. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why it's interesting. I've, I've heard cops talk about, you know, um, how much more uh, there's, the, how much more effective code is over laws for example if, yep. I, if in, in 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 criminal elements if you owe somebody money and you don't pay them it's a big problem it could be a dollar in, in, <laughs> yes. in, in, in other elements mm-hmm. oh you could default or you could do whatever you want right. it might be a legal case maybe mm-hmm. but you don't have to really be held accountable so so there's this element of like respect you everybody should be respecting themselves at a, at a certain point right. now then there's this thing of like the hierarchy Right, and so when you get these actors who really try to impose themselves and work out whatever you know ego thing they have going or whatever bully thing they have going, then that can shift the hierarchy of a show and it can be irreparable. Right. So anybody who has a sense of like this balance that needs to be happening, who has come in <laughs> any collaborative environment will know that's a threat mm. to the collaborative environment. Mm-hmm. And if you are equipped to deal with it, 
then you get into it right away. If you're not, and there are a lot of people who rise to power on the writing side of this yeah, who, who have never been in, in any type of situation that would help them deal with that, they get overwhelmed early. Thanks. Now, coming from the actor side, and this was something that helped me a lot early on, sometimes actors are acting out because hmm. of the anxiety and the fear. And yeah. the one thing that we as writers, and I would watch the writer's room completely disregard the fact hmm. That if this scene doesn't work, this dude's ass is out on screen. If these lines don't work, if this character doesn't work, this dude's ass, yep. this or this woman's ass is out on screen. Yep. She's the one people are gonna be looking at me like, what the fuck did she just say? <laughs> so, it, and sometimes that anxiety, even if it's subconscious, starts acting out with behavior issues right. or how they deal with people on the set. So, and I knew that I had seen actors do that. I was never that one, but mm -hmm. I had seen it happen. You see it a lot. You and see so it a lot. That's so for me. It was always a two pronged attack. Mm. They need to be assured that they're going to be taken care of, that, and that people are actually worried about how they're going to look. Right. They're taking that into account how they're going to sound and look. Right. But at the same time, they have to observe the rules of engagement when it mm -hmm. comes to respecting everybody. Otherwise, there's going to be consequences. Yeah, I, m I remember there was a time where I, you know, because I, 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 you know, I, I take this directing class, and I remember we were talking with one of the guys who came in, and um, he said something that I thought was so fascinating. Um, and this is a big actor. He's got huge credits, and, and he was like, "What you got to realize is that sometimes the wardrobe might make someone upset." Mm -hmm. Sure. People, and when yeah. people are complaining about lines or making things difficult, they're or not comfortable. Then you might kind of what you were saying. Yeah, mm -hmm. you yeah. might need to go to them and say, "Hey, do you want to change that?" You know, and and the thing is, that's so cool. They won't say that no. to you, but they right. but it's a problem. But they're like, ah, because 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 what you're saying is interesting because it's like in today's world, if you do something that shows your ass. They'll make a meme out of it, mm -hmm. yeah, you know. They will, yeah. and it's, so it, therefore, it's a heavy price to pay. Yeah, for. so, so <laughs> therefore, therefore and, the, and the actors are so aware of that more than anybody else, oh, right? Because there's no, because you know what, there's no writer who's, who's got a meme made out of them. Yeah, you know, there's, mm. there's, 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 I've you know, I've had a situation where actor I noticed, um, I had seen okay, Young and the Restless. Mm -hmm. There's this actor who plays Victor Newman. There's nobody better than him at stealing the focus of the, the power in a scene, hmm. right? So he'll do things like you'll say something, and in the lines it'll feel like I should be re responding. So it's been written as if it's going to be a quick banter hmm. argument escalation. Okay. You might be like, fuck your mother. And he'll just, <laughs> now Eric Braden would just look. There'd be this real long pause right hmm. all of a sudden all your power is gone he didn't escalate the scene and then the person who just acted rash looked stupid right. he got the power immediately they could they could direct them in rehearsal no 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 that's where you're gonna really hmm. whatever so he i watched him do things like that or like uh they want him to be face to face he'll sit down like all that's saying is this is not a threat hmm. right and the actors are like i'm trying to honor what the way it was written and eric <laughs> Braden is like nah I'm Victor Newman. I'm getting all the power. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I know and so And it probably was a better choice. Yeah. So it taught me like some of the things that actors mm -hmm. are doing, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and then I'm also watching people who are like, oh, they get put into some wardrobe that makes them nervous because they feel like maybe the their figure is not where they want it to be. Right. You'll literally right. see them change their positioning. Mm -hmm. And no one goes, oh, like to your point, Chris, let's put them in something else. No, and they don't want to say, oh, I think I'm, 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 I've been putting on a few. I don't want to wear this, right? <laughs> so 
Then I'm doing I'm doing a show called Bird Notice, and I'm watching. And we had a lead actor who could be a handful mm-hmm. from time to time. Actually, he's coming out on a new show right mm-hmm. now called Law and Order, the reboot. Right. Jeffrey Donovan. Now he was known to be a handful, but he also veteran actor. Uh, you know, somebody who's putting everything. He was dope into on it. screen, though. Yeah, and he <laughs> was. It, it was you know as as much of a handful he was. A lot was being put on him too, because mm-hmm. like the first the first few seasons, he was in almost every scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And doing stunts. Top of the call sheet. Chases, That's some scary shit. And doing all the fights. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff. So he's getting worn out and he's already a handful. But I watched him uh, get on a director. He started going in on a director one time. And I'm watching. I'm like, oh, I see what's (laughs) going on here. The way the director blocked this scene, it's almost guaranteed that when they cut this, the power moments are going to be on this guest actor. Ah. Right? Just the way the scene was Mm -hmm. blocked. And, And actors... Who are experienced are that smart. Mm-hmm. They all they can see the actual cut yep. of a scene when they're filming it. Yep. Cause they know how these things work. They see what the it's like finding are. the light. They know where the light is. But they see what the cameras <laughs> yeah. they see they what the cameras are, they yeah. see where the camera's moving, they know all this yeah. stuff. They know the lines. I mean, they're like, Oh, you know what? There's not enough light in my face. And they right know now. how mm-hmm. USA Network likes their shows to be right. done. So when you know this is gonna be an act out and you know it's gonna tag something in the show mm-hmm. and normally it's supposed to tag the, the the lead and in this way it's been blocked, it's not gonna tag him. Mm. So now we're watching this, and and he and and I don't think he liked that. Mm. So the and then you have a director who's like, why is he being difficult? And I was thinking, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is one of those moments because Jeffrey definitely knew how to take right. power in scenes, tweak, block in here, mm. make it seem like his character motivated, but really he's gonna get him. <laughs> in. This one he didn't have it. I was yeah. like, oh, I said you might want to change this one little blocking thing. Mm. And the director comes in after we've shot the master a couple of times, changes the blocking thing, boom, smooth sailing, mm. right? You have you you now doing you know what guest director supposed to do serve the serve the lead mm-hmm. actor serve the story you know what I mean mm-hmm. but if you don't know those things are going on you're just saying this is an actor just kind of just <laughs> going on, out of his head right well yeah well because this is interesting right it's because what I've seen on the television show is is that most directors they really understand how to like to move through the scene. Like technically, how, I'm gonna get this. We're gonna get this. Right. I'll just do all of the blocking. Camera here, move this cool. Those me a one or do the dolly, bring it in, bring the camera crane in. But it's like to watch the psychology of the actors. They don't do that. And, and I, I remember mm-hmm. Hans said that to me that he's like, "Oh, you're an actor's director. Like you, because to me, it's like you got to get them to get you the best performance." It doesn't matter how cool that camera move was mm-hmm. because if you, that's it, right. I mean, it's like, oh shit. I mean, you can convince them. That that camera move is important, and therefore, but the actor or the actress has to feel so supported because, and ultimately, the story is told through them. Like, I, <laughs> like I, I read this thing that I think is the coolest thing about how it works. The actor is the prism; the words are the light. Hmm. So the light has got to go through the prism to then just what we see is that it's got to go through them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So if you're really good as an actor, mm-hmm. I don't need to build a camera that much. <clears throat> I remember I was watching this movie. Man, I, was, this I, was, so true. I was watching this movie a couple months months ago called Save the Tiger. It was mm-hmm. this movie that Jack Lemmon won an Academy Award for. There's a scene where he's just sitting there, camera doesn't move, he doesn't move. Mm. I was like, motherfucker, look at him just hold mm-hmm. the screen. Yeah. Mm. 
No camera moving hey, at all. No, no cuts. No, no cuts. No cuts. Yes. He's just holding the scene with the right. way he's acting and moving around and like taking you through the story. Like he's telling a story right. and he's taking you through the emotional thing without even really moving his body that much. And I was like, this is a master class yeah. on what you can do. And 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 if you're really good, you don't need to cut that much. Yeah. And most people aren't that. Most people aren't that good, right? Because I mean, look, that's why he's an icon. Mm-hmm. But but that's where you know it's like, hey, how do I get you to really? Work with like well, that's the, the the other thing that goes with that is if you get them to buy in. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. it's a joint venture. Right. Yeah. A lot of times you get on the sets, especially shows that have been established for a minute, and and it's really like a, 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 each department for themselves. You know, mm-hmm. the writers against the actors. We will get the best we can, but everybody has their own agenda. Mm-hmm. And, and guest directors, oh, you know, heaven help them. You know <laughs> what I mean? Especially they get into a toxic right. situation. But if you get buy in. And I watched it happen. It could be one episode, director and cast are at odds, and everything is a struggle. Mm. Like, you can't even get them to get out of a car. Mm. You know, like, that's a problem. Mm. But then you, the next episode, new guest director, he gets buy-in or she gets buy-in. <clears throat> and um, you get somebody even, like, I watched Jeffrey Donovan. He, one time, uh, now Jeffrey Donovan's uh, a handful, especially back then, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it was known. Well, so, it was known. So here we are. Yeah. We're shooting a scene with a kid, and mm-hmm. that's already like a lot of people are like, "Oh no, there's gonna be a kid." Let's right. see. Well, the director got buy-in. The director got everybody invested mm-hmm. in the vision, and it was Ernest Dickerson. Of course, and <laughs> your, your uh, child actor is not bringing it. So instead of like. In another scenario, that could easily have turned into why did you make such an important scene? Put it on the hands of a of a of a, a kid, child, or yeah. why did you this and that? No, in this situation, while we're sitting here deliberating, all right, how are we gonna get a better performance out of this kid? Donovan comes over, and says, "Let me do this. Can you just put a camera over me? I'll I'll just go over there. I'm gonna talk to him first, then we're gonna start filming, and I'm gonna get all his lines out to the way I know you guys want it." But just run continuously, mm. right? And he saves like, the scene, like, like tape the rehearsal. Yeah, okay. but it's not even tape the rehearsal because I need to get you all into these emotional places first, oh, and then he's talking this he's talking kid to the it. emotional got place it. through character, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Now say that line, say it again." No, I need, and then and then he keeps talking some more. He's like, "Say your second line." He gets this all these lines out of his kid. He fed him. Scene, he fed him the entire time, right? Mm-hmm. And that's because he was bought, he was bought in. So when you get the buy in, mm-hmm. it it expands it to. So it, it is so true. It's like if your words are the light, and they're the prism. If you respect that, if you know that, then you know they have the ability to enhance what's happening. Right. Whereas a lot of times of the adversarial relationship, where writers just like, please just don't fuck it up, <laughs> right? But what you really want to come at is like. Give empower them to hopefully expand. That that goes to what I was thinking when you guys were talking a moment ago. When I was an actor, I used to hate when I'd be on the set, I'd be in the middle of a scene, and the director is like forty feet away in the director's chair, yelling out what to do. Come over to us and talk to us. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Make us feel. Yeah, well, it, it, <laughs> yeah. Don't you know, be lazy. I fucking hate so, that. So so there's this thing that I remember. It's not something I saw on my show, and I don't know if it's because there's no time or if it's because of the COVID or what it was. Remember this thing that Jonathan Demi said? Mm-hmm. It was the best. Yeah, I thought this is the coolest thing to do because I did this on like I did this when we did the ticker. Mm-hmm. Is that go to the actors in their trailer before, in make, when they're in makeup? Yeah, when they're getting yeah. makeup. Yeah, talk to seeing through them. 
just hey, let's just talk it through. You got any questions? Blah blah blah. Because then they feel like, mm-hmm. oh, you care about me. You coming to me now where I'm vulnerable because because I'm not made up and I'm not like yeah. You know, just it's one thing for you to see someone to come in on like like camera ready. Mm-hmm. Come on, when they're not, and yeah. you're gonna touch and just and really just, that 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 to me is a way to get by. They feel hurt. They feel yeah. hurt, yeah. and you go just tell me tell me what you think. That's right. I mean, because that way, Man, you know, it's just they. This is uh, and then we you know. There's a, a, a situation where you run out of time and you go and you say, all right, we're not going to have time to do a rehearsal with actors in this and still make our day. Right. So and it's a very simple scene. Let's block it with the stand ins. So while we're, and then we'll and we'll have them, you know, mm-hmm. so we're basically blocking the 18, B team. <laughs> we're going to shoot it without a rehearsal. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So some directors would be like, all right, we're shooting this without a rehearsal and they won't ask the actors. Mm. So then the actor's going to get to set and be like, no. I want my rehearsal. <laughs> exactly. And most of the time, they don't want the rehearsal. What they wanted was what you guys are talking about. They wanted you to take three minutes right. to go to them and say, we're running out of time. We'd love to, because this is such a straightforward scene, we'd love to shoot this without rehearsal. And then they're like, me too. That's what I'd like <laughs> right. too. But if you disrespect the process mm-hmm. and then they get to set and find out that's what you're doing mm-hmm. and you never check with them, oh, now they're going to make you pay. And and you missed the point that some actors are like already planning what they want to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. so they were like, ooh, and then I'm going to do that. I'm going to move around the table. I'm going to do this little yeah. thing where blah, blah, blah. And then they get there and they're like, oh, I can't do none of that. Right. Or they wanted to work it out. Like yeah. might, you might hit up. A, now, now, in those cases, don't even try to block that. But if because if, if there's a scene where you know they need this rehearsal to work out right. what they land, what they think it means or what it's going to be like energy wise, then mm-hmm. you should never try. But some scenes super simple. Super simple. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, and people still, at least just out of courtesy, say, right. hey, do you mind if we, you know, get ready to shoot this without rehearsal? Totally agree. Let me ask you right quick. Um, so we were talking about. How did you end up, you know, really getting into acting then? How did that, I know we're, like, this is why oh, we call the yeah. rant room, by the way, because we'd be going off on some shit. Yeah, yeah, You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. For those people who are listening, you know what I mean? Well, the origin story, I mean, <clears throat> so, so basically, and I want to take it back just a little bit. Sure, go ahead. Because I think, um, for me, it's always important to, I always feel like it's, it's always a long shot. You're always an exception right. when you start to have success in this business. Um, because there are so many factors at play. Uh, but for me, I always felt like like I went because of the way things were going in my mom who had raised us by herself, she ran out of she ran out of gas by a certain point. So okay. by sixth grade, she was out of gas. She wanted my father, who I knew and had come around from time to time but had never been reliable. She wanted him to take her his three kids, okay. right? So he, you know, my dad was like, definitely had to, oh, yeah, you, anytime, you know, you always complaining about me not being around, but you ever want me to take the kids, I'll take the kids. Right. And she was like, well, it's about that time. He's like, sure, yeah, I'll take them, you know. Right. Man, we ended up homeless. Wow. So I'm homeless going into seventh grade. Wow. Right? Not a good time to be homeless. Nah, dude. Then. Uh, Middle school? <clears throat> terrible. <laughs> Pops. I mean, it, everything that. First of all, he are you guys still in the bay at this point, or were you still in the bay? Okay. We went. From, I was in Pinole, that racist okay. area, for sixth mm-hmm. grade. I moved back to Berkeley mm. for seventh grade, sleeping in a car. Wow! And then a shelter, but the shelter was worse. So back to the car, and then just hops. Got you. I mean, every all the different patchwork of things, but no home, man, mm. and starving, and all these other mm. things. So we then my father love these stories, and, my, <laughs> and, and so you know we're sitting there. It's like first night. 
uh, we already so what happened my mom downsized her life she's like you got it and 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 the house she was renting was still paid for for another month hmm. so my father didn't move us he's kept us in this house in Pinot. <laughs> we was commuting i'm like what's going on hmm. then he, so then we're squatting then wow and nothing's in the house there, no <laughs> everything's in the house everything's in the house then one then then one day it's eviction time because we've been squatting for a month mm. and the sheriff's involved and all of that wow. now you gotta go wow. so what are you taking everything you can fit into the trunk of that car mm. and it's three kids and my dad wow and everything that could go wrong went wrong because even when he was doing the right thing or trying to something would go sideways <laughs> so that first night i'm like okay well i know we got kicked out of the house i'm playing youth football Practice is over. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering where we gonna be. <laughs> Pops like, oh, we gonna be in the car tonight, just tonight, wow. just tonight. And that's how it starts. Damn. So we in the car. We what's dinner? Pick up a loaf of bread, a pack of bologna, wow, and a 99 cent jug of Kool Aid. Damn. That was it. And so this becomes this is stories the thing. I love. This is real shit. I I'm like, it. okay. So <clears throat> then, then my mother had moved into a tiny one bedroom apartment, mm-hmm. like downsizing. The, these years of like being a single mom mm-hmm. just broke her so she's just trying to re- regroup she don't want no responsibility <laughs> my sister two years older is high school age mm-hmm. she lasts about a week maybe not even that she's mm-hmm. like i'm not gonna be homeless with three dudes in right. a car right. and i'm a girl and i'm starting <laughs> high school i mean i'm i'm a sophomore high school, whatever so she goes to live with my mom she's like i did my mom's like what's <clears> going <throat> on with you guys are you are you living in the car? Are you do and, and we're lying trying to protect my dad. We're like, no, nah, everything's fine, you know. Wow. Um, and she wanted to believe everything was fine. Hmm. So it lasts from August to November. Damn, this is getting to be winter. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. And uh, so we get in there. Then, then finally, we got to pull the plug. My brother had left, so now it's just me and my dad. Mm. And I'm really only doing this because I can tell it's very important to my dad not to be failing right now. Mm. And then when it got rainy and cold and um, Thanksgiving happened, right mm. after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving was at my mom's little one-bedroom apartment. Then I'm back in the car, and it's getting colder. December coming. Yep. I finally, like, told my dad I want to move in with my mom. Mm. He broke. He, you could tell. he was, And he guilt-tripped me just a little bit, just enough <laughs> to make me feel bad. But he tried not to, but he couldn't help it. Right. Is that, oh, that's what you want to do? That's what you want to do? Okay. So then I go to live with my mom, three kids, sleep in this one tiny one-bedroom, <laughs> like 500-square-foot apartment. Wow. We all sleep on a pull-out futon in the living room. Right. There's only a living room and a bedroom. That's it. Mm-hmm. And we sleeping, you know what I'm saying, three teenagers sleeping on this pull-out futon. And so at that point, things start going unraveling for me. I didn't know it at the time. But it became really apparent by the time I made it to high school. Mm. I go to high school, and it's like, I don't go to high school. Mm. I'm, I wake up. I go by my buddy's house. His his uh, older sister's boyfriend is a big-time weed dealer. He got weed. We smoke weed every morning. Mm. Show up to school right around third period, <laughs> late. Damn. We had the same third period, so we would walk in high, <laughs> talk shit, disrupt, sometimes start shit. Right. And then I'd go to lunch. He was rebelling, y'all. And I would, yeah, exactly. I'm completely. I ain't got time for it. So, so I was going going completely off the rails. Meanwhile, um, every job I can get, mm-hmm. I'm taking 
Cause I can't. I don't have shoes. I don't have clothes. Like that freshman year, I had one pair of pants, one mm. pair of shorts. Damn. And people would be like, "Are you wearing that shit again?" It, yeah. To the in point where minute. they just stopped doing that. Yeah. They just knew. They would see me in the same pants two mm. days in a row, three days in a row, right. and just stop. Nobody's remarking. I was wearing some, and the shorts. I'm growing. The shorts was too small when I got them. <laughs> Put it. Let me tell you, man. It was like, I will never forget going to a football game wearing these shorts. By the time, I mean, I'm growing. And they was too small when I got them. And by the time I get to like November, my freshman year, I'm going to a football game. And I've worn my pair of pants like four days in a row. So I was like, I got to wear the shorts. I don't have a choice right now. I'm wearing these booty shorts. You know what I'm saying? So um, it was just you know all of that. You talk about getting toughened up, mm-hmm. and um, and then by my end of my sophomore year of high school, uh, I have decided I'm moving out, mm. and my and and um, I I actually start renting a room from a friend's mother. Okay, and uh, it's over the summer. I have four jobs. I'm not chill, chilling. No, by the way, I, now I'm making money. My father is, has moved to Sacramento, and my brother, who also went sideways with me, ends up going up there. Mm. So mm-hmm. I'm talking to them periodically. My brother keeps saying, you need to come up here. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Do you know what the <laughs> last time I went to go live with dad? you know what happened? Like, I'm surprised you made the move. Right. And then he was like, he's had the same job. But Sac was far compared to where oh, yeah. Sac is far, though. Yeah, but it was like when we lived in the Bay, it was like, man, Sac is way out yeah, there. This ain't, ain't no, far. It's this, like an hour. this ain't no easy, like, yeah. let me see what it's like. This right. is a, you, if you go up there, you're mm-hmm. going to be there. Right. So I, when he said my father had the same job for a year, it was the first time in my life that ever happened. Mm. So in my mind, that's a major step. Right. Then my dad's like, oh, <laughs> by the way, how you going to play sports? I hear you got all these jobs. I hadn't even thought about that. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking forward to football season starting. I'm like, wait a minute, he's right. So he's like, look, only thing I'm gonna promise you, I can't promise you much, but if you come here, you're gonna you're gonna have a place to sleep and you're gonna have food in the fridge. Nice. Those are the two things. So I move up there, they in an apartment smaller than what my mom's had been. <laughs> now me and my brother take turns, one on the couch, one on the floor, wow. eat alternating nights, and we're in the worst gang neighborhood in Sacramento. Damn. But he came through, food mm. in the fridge, roof over the head the whole time. So not an easy. It's a good incentive when you don't have it, though. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and not knowing having really had that before, right. like that sort of like consistency. Again, now I start getting things back into control. I didn't know that was going to happen either. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking like that, but mm-hmm. everything had unraveled without me even under- noticing. Now mm-hmm. I'm starting to like rein some things in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got myself back into a situation where I could go to college. Uh, and then I ended up testing well, so I'm at UC Berkeley. And nice. that in itself is a big, like a long story, but it's wow. crazy because. Uh, I was going to say, you, had, you probably had such bad grades. How in the world did you get into Berkeley? That's, that's a trip. He, so, first of all, there's a. Uh, like, you know how everybody, no matter what's happening mm-hmm. good in your life, there's multiple yes. key moments. One of the key moments for me was after my freshman year of high school, mm-hmm. I get called to, I, I, and at my school, you would <laughs> sign up for your next year's class at the end of the first year. Okay. Mm-hmm. I sign up for all these classes acting like, I ain't done shit wrong. <laughs> like, everything's good. I'm going to take all these 10th grade classes now. <laughs> right. Man, during the summer, I get called into the guidance counselor's office, and uh, I'm like, oh, here we go. Either he gonna read me the riot act or he gonna sell me a pipe dream. It's one or the other. He's like, bro, you can't sign up for all these classes. 
It was Mr. Dean. He's like, this is schedule you didn't pass. This how are you gonna take geometry? You didn't pass algebra. Right. How are you gonna take English two? You didn't pass English one. Like all it is, right? <laughs> so he's so we're working out the class, and then while we're talking, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And he's like, oh, by the way, what college you want to go to? Hmm. And he said it's so matter of fact. It was like it was just an expected thing. Hmm. And I answered like that because I was like, it caught me so off guard. Like he's like, oh, and what college are you thinking of? Like that. Like hmm. it's just an aside. Right. And I just blurted out San Francisco State. I don't even know why. Because <laughs> you heard of it. I think, oh, it's, in this, it's around here. And if I, you know, <laughs> I guess I wouldn't have to pay for a dorm. I don't know. So he's like, okay. And then he looks at me and he goes, well, if that's where you want to go, this is what you got to do. He starts writing on this paper all the classes I'm going to have to take. Hmm. And I had to go to school the next year from like 7 30 in the morning till 4 30 in the afternoon. Ooh to catch up on units. Yeah. And I'm not saying I got good grades then, but I caught up on all those units. So, and this is this Mr. Dean dude has no idea. He he made me think just by asking me like it was a fact hmm. that it was possible for me to go to college. So I was like, oh, okay, well let's see. Hmm. Then I moved to Sacramento and I kept that trajectory going. Okay. And then I tested well on the SAT. Hmm. So I didn't even know that, by the way. Like I actually, <laughs> Didn't I had forgotten my dad had even scheduled me to go take that test. He comes home. He's like, oh, you know you got the SAT tomorrow. And he hands me a VHS video. <laughs> An SAT prep video the that night before good. the test. Damn. I put that thing in, fell asleep. I must have sucked it up by osmosis. <laughs> so I'm sitting here. It's time to apply to colleges. I apply to one college, hmm. San Francisco State. Hmm. I, and I get in. Hmm. Now I'm like, whoa. And I'm telling you, everybody's like, oh, my God. This is awesome. And I'm thinking, I, I can do this. Then, then one day I get pulled out of my class and this, this lady's like, are you Ben Watkins there? <laughs> um, I'm so-and-so college advisor. Come with me. We go to her thing. She's like, what colleges did you apply to? I said, San Francisco State. She's like, okay, what else? I was like, nah. <laughs> she says, you didn't apply to any UCs? I'm like, lady, have you seen my transcripts? <laughs> She's like, I think. She's like, you scored very well on the SATs. I think you should apply to the UCs. Mm. I said, well, I can't go to any UC but Berkeley because I have people in Berkeley. Yeah. So I know I won't have to pay for a dorm and I can't afford anything else. She said, I think you should apply. Mm. So I applied to UC Berkeley. And then what I found out on a UC application, almost every class I failed from sophomore through senior year, they were all classes that don't count. When you have to list really? what you're doing, because it's like typing, swimming, oh, okay. uh, like all these like electives and, electives and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, and then so my UC GPA was actually not atrocious. You had the, the scores to it. I'm at UC Berkeley. Okay. Now I'm at the same college. I'm I'm walking the same streets where I was homeless. <laughs> One day I'm sitting at the gas station <laughs> with with my dad. Mm -hmm. By the way, who was like. Never, like, everybody was like, he didn't do what he's supposed to do. Somehow got his <laughs> life together, helped us finish high school. Mm. Now he gets to brag about having a son at UC Berkeley. Mm. We getting gas in, in Berkeley. What time do say, I'm looking over and guess who's there? Mr. Dean. <laughs> and I walk over to that dude because he don't even know. He, and and he, he, he was a savior when he, when he just, just, just be matter of fact. Mm. That's all he had to do. And he, you, you know. He knew had he gone off on me mm -hmm. or sold me a pipe dream, he would have lost me. Right. He mm. was just straightforward. And I, and I said, Mr. Dean, and he recognized me right away. Hey, man. <laughs> and he's like, how you doing? 
And I was like, I'm doing great. That's right. I said, I said, you're never going to believe this. And he's like, what? And I said, I'm at UC Berkeley. Wow. And and to and to the the consistency of this man, he looked at me, and he nodded, and he said, "Yes, you are." That's dope. I was like, Whoa. "That's dope." And I'm on the same, like I'm literally feet away from where we used to park the car when we were homeless. <laughs> so right off of Telegraph Avenue, I was yeah. there chilling, wasn't you? <laughs> yeah, and this was actually you know Berkeley. Yeah. So we, so anyway, I'm, I, I I say that, all that, that to say that's that where we story. coming from, yeah, right? Yeah. So. At Berkeley, I have no intention of doing anything creative, but one semester, I'm one credit, I'm one class short of having a full load. Mm-hmm. I take this theater class. I had no idea theater was a real thing. I knew school plays, mm-hmm. but I theater, went in there. College theater is different, and I had my mind blown. Mm-hmm. Like the way people talk, the things that they were talking about, the thing, and then to find out that this is a potential profession, that was it. So. From that point on, I had my mind that I wanted to do theater. I wanted to be an actor, I wanted to do theater. Started doing theater out of college. I was with a little touring program doing educational plays. Now I did I'm, making, those. I did those. I'm making this money, yeah. I'm doing theater every day. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better life. I had already gotten married, so mm. I found the love of my life. Yeah. We had a baby the year I graduated, <laughs> so I'm, I'm putting all these pieces together. Right. Then I got a director mentor. He's like, oh, um, I know the casting director from One Life to Live. And uh, I told her, you're so talented, blah, blah, blah. She said, if you're ever in New York, reach out. So I, and he gave me her number. I called her. She said, oh, sure, we'll have you in for a general if you're ever in New York. Yeah, general. I ran home. I was like, I was like, babe, this woman, I got a job. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this woman wanted to see me for a general. Right. And we both thought that meant that they were generally interested. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like we we more than just like oh there might be a part like we right. just generally interested like across the board. <laughs> so we actually went into debt. That's an overall deal, ain't yeah. it? <laughs> I put I, we we went into debt like using four different credit cards and this and that mm. to buy me a ticket. Mm. I fly to New York and I, I actually set the appointment. She did. She doesn't know I'm flying to the appointment. I'm flying to New York just for a general <laughs> with a casting director. Wow. So I get there. She's like, so what brought you to New York? I was like, you. (laughs) She's like, wait a minute. I know you didn't fly to New York just for a general. And I'm like, okay, now maybe I don't know what general meant. Right? I'm thinking that. And she's like, well, I'm going to put you on tape. And she films me. And I guess I did well in the audition. Mm. And she, she brings me back to her office. She said, I need you to wait right here. And I'm telling you, at, at least an hour passed. Hmm. And she came back and she said, all right, I'm about to change your life. Wow. Her name was Sonia Nakor. And she Shout said- Shout out to you, girl. Yeah. <laughs> she said, um, first of all, I took your tape up to the EP and I told him we should, we should uh, put you in the show. Like, wow. give you a little, a little role. And then she said, but more importantly, I'm about to get you an agent. Hmm. She, she says, here's the five. She calls him while I'm in there. What? She's like, I have somebody. You need to see him. You need to sign him. So I'm staying in New York a few more extra days, and there's agents literally competing to sign me. Wow. Because of her. Only because of her. Because of her work. Mm -hmm. Right? So I get an agent. I do the little part on One Life to Live. Mm -hmm. My first TV gig. Uh, I get a New York agent. The agent I get 
is affiliated, has a good friend who's a New York manager, but he's bi-coastal. Mm. So she's like, I'm gonna hook you up with him because then when you transition to California, you'll have that in place. Mm -hmm. And that started my move into wow. show business. That's a great story. See, that's a fantastic story. It's the thing that everybody realizes that, that they need a break. They, they need that piece of luck that has to happen. And a lot of that is a combination of you got to make something bold, like a bold move, like what you did, like Fight in New York. Mm -hmm. You, you got to do something like that. That, uh, that from my experience, it's sort of born out of a level of ignorance. Because mm -hmm. you'll make a bold, because if, right. if you knew, you, people, you notice all the time, too much knowledge makes you not be bold. Because you're yep. just like, oh, I, well, what, the, the backfire on that. Yes. But you have to do that. And the minute you do something like that, people respond to that yep. you know I, I think certain people this sunny woman that's is, so true it's one of these things where i think they're like um okay wait a minute wait a minute he did this let me just see if i can do this one thing because yeah. there's is there's someone who's generous enough or is is wowed enough by what you did boldly that they're like if you had the the chutzpah to do this yep let's see if we can put you here to see if we can just and i think for them it allows them to feel excited too. That's right. Because everybody That's key. wants to be able to tell a showbiz story. Mm -hmm. it, it's something weird about oh, our, like our and culture. It, especially hey, if they're jaded and yeah, then now yeah. they're like, this gives them a little bit of like, you just switched up the routine of their day. You reminded them of, of like of, the of, wide of, of they got in, of, 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 of all this. And if they're not, you know, and I mean, it's like, you know, depending on where they, who they are, where they are, they all want to feel, hey, I'm helping out so and so. Yeah. Uh, because you know, a friend of but mine I told me one time, part of why he likes to hang out and, and help new people is, is because it keeps him in tune with what's going on. Mm -hmm. But he's also like, yeah. But at the same time, if I turn you on to somebody big, that person owes me. Yeah. You know, and it's not it's not like they're being mercenary that way, but they know that it's like. The game. I mean, I think about it. Think about it. That woman, Sonia, she goes to a party that weekend oh, and says, wow. "Hey, you know what happened to me this weekend? But I mean, yep. this guy who exactly. I met in Berkeley, he flew the fuck out. Yep. I gave him. <laughs> you this. know she is. We taped him. <laughs> he, the EP said yes. I got him an Asian in the room. He's made. It, I, I, that's it, a career. Yeah. That's a cocktail story for the rest. But going back to something you said, the the idea of first of all, there's something I like to call optimistic delusion. Yes. Right. Which is Ooh, talk you, about, talk about. you. So so logically something shouldn't work. And yet you take steps towards in that direction. Okay. Right. And and you do it in a way where you you are assuming it's going to work. Mm -hmm. So that's the delusional part. The optimistic part is that you're taking positive steps towards a positive outcome, even though logic isn't on your side. Right. You can. And it's beyond naivete. Right. Right. Uh -huh. So. There is a element of optimistic delusion that most people get in this business. They they can say, "Oh, I took a risk at some point," and if you look back, you'd be like, "Damn, that was crazy." <laughs> now, there's a reason, and this is this falls within that realm for me. And the reason that I'm telling everybody, <clears throat> if you're serious about the business, you need to take steps in that direction. Right. Right. You don't ask for permission. You don't wait for permission. You start taking steps. Even if it seems crazy, one of the reasons is because there are a lot of people out there like Sonya Nicole. 
there are a lot of people waiting. And you know what they look for? They look for you to be making statements to the universe. Right. This right. is where I'm going. And I need help, but I am definitely going that way. And then there's an old term called in, uh, invisible hands. Yes. Because some of the Sonya Nakors, you don't even know. Mm -hmm. I, I found out mm -hmm. about some long after the fact. Somebody said, oh, well, you know, you know, the reason you got in the room was because uh, Mike Tolan uh, slipped your script to me. And Mike <laughs> never called me and said, hey, man, I did this. Because he right. doesn't know if it's going to work out. Right, right. 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 Well, right. He just knows where I'm headed and he mm -hmm. wants to help. So people have to make those moves in that direction and and that's one of the things that can help you not be discouraged because you don't even have to know how it's impacting you are sending a message to the universe of what you're trying to accomplish right. and the universe will try to align with that for real you have to take a risk to do it though yeah. yes yeah. you, you absolutely that's the interesting thing is that i remember i remember just the other day we were uh when I was shadowing, it was, I was I'm having a big meeting about a show at an ABC in like two weeks, and I was telling my boss, I was like, he was like, how'd you get that? I was like, oh, because I know the the showrunner guy, and he was like, he was like, mm -hmm. and and so he was like, how'd you meet him? Mm -hmm. I said, oh, I met him at um, <clears throat> I met I, I met him at the, I met him at the Writers Guild at this function, and we were just talking about just comic books. I knew he did comic books. And then, you know, and Hilliard was there, and Hilliard mentioned the script that I wrote, and he was like, oh, I want to read that. But it was, but it, but it was, but, 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 but my friend said, oh, so you, so you actually like, she was like, so you can find people at the guild like that? I said, you, you have to look at it this way. Certain people at the guild who are top level people who are volunteering their time. Yep to be there because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who are huge writers who you never see involved in the guilting yep. at all mm -hmm. I, said, I said I said anybody who's show level who's a showrunner a major writer director whatever it is they're there because they're generous yeah and if they're generous enough to spend their time with the, they spend their time with there all that an hour drive there and back mm -hmm. maybe or more two hours there it's up to you to figure out how to talk to them mm -hmm. to maximize that interaction. That's right. Because if you because they're already saying to you, I'm like like I can help you. Right. I can help you if you know how to talk to me the right way. That's so that, right. So it's not an, an, an aggressive thing. I, I remember when I first met you with the guild because mm -hmm. cause I met you once briefly, mm -hmm. but but I met you with that really brief the the that um uh the speed dating thing the first time oh, we yeah. met yeah. yeah and you asked me a question and you were I think like, I invited you that to that Ben didn't he, I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 look at this full circle just happened it was crazy <laughs> where the bell at no, no, <laughs> it was crazy because you were the last person that I saw that night and it was yeah. cut short it was oh, like okay, it was like right. brief it was like hey you got it was like five minutes was at 15 and you said to me um, all right, I got one question for you, and then it was over. And, and, and you were like, "Who's your nemesis?" And I was like, "What? What?" I was like, "What are you asking me?" Because it was such a such a weird question. Okay, you got to talk about that. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, you know, That's because interesting. nobody in in any of those things had asked me, mm -hmm. you know, like a question like that. And I think like the night before, the day before, I had seen you speak at this thing on pitching at oh, the yeah. Guild, yep. and I wrote you email and said how, how, how cool I thought that was and how important it was, yeah. and then, and the thing is, I didn't know that I'd be seeing you that next night because because they didn't tell me the schedule. Right. It was a switch, and I was mm -hmm. like, "Oh, should I get to be?" But it was like, but it was one of those things where, where I was like, "Oh, so." And I knew at that point, 
I needed to ask you that question threw me so much off. I was like, I gotta ask you advice. I wanted to ask you for advice, and I said, Hey, can I can I get your advice or something? Like, yep. you said, Yeah, yeah, let's meet up and blah blah. blah. And then it yeah, was, I was right. and, and and then a few weeks later we sat down down mm-hmm. and like, and I was like, but it was like, I've seen people go to those events and fuck that interaction up, yeah, right, and, or not or not or not. Step into that right. moment because they or, don't have optimistic the, delusion. Right. They're just like it's not going to turn. That's what out. I call step into a slim gym. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah. Because 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 I, I remember I was talking with David Slack one time, and, and and David was like, "You like ask people the, the questions the right time. A lot of people are either too aggressive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or they're afraid to ask. Yeah. And it's like, and we're there, and we're like, do you have something to say to me? Like, no, no, I just I just like your work. Yep. Oh, thanks, but and you're just like, wait, mm-hmm. hey, wait a minute. Yeah. You have the you have the FaceTime. Right. Make the FaceTime like do something so you can keep going. That's you right. know? Uh you have to because you know, uh, it's just, I mean, look. I mean, that's one of the things. So, you know, we can talk for hours, like years about how you get in this business, but I boil it down to three things in terms of there's a combination. One is talent, mm-hmm. one's craft, and then the other one is access. Those are three things right. that you need in order to be successful in Hollywood. Exactly. And you get them to varying degrees. Right. You can imagine which ones are harder for people of color or different mm-hmm. communities to get. You can imagine like talent, that's hard to define. Craft is one is the one that it's I'm the, telling everybody yeah, focus yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Because you can control it. You can control yeah. it. And there, and, and, and yep. here's the here's the truth. There are a lot of people with no talent working in Hollywood because they know the craft. Yep. And Facts. The, but there are a lot of people with talent that don't get hired because they don't know the craft, and people don't have time for that. Yep. Right. So, but but yeah, and access part of that is how do you network? Right. Who do you talk to? What events do you go to? Who do you give back to? Right. right. Uh, I look for that all the time. I that's, see, that's why I'm in the position I'm in at the exactly. guild. You know, for all those reasons. Right I there. look at. I yeah. don't. I, I don't mess with people who don't seem to have the inclination to help out other people. So, mm. so one of the one, one of the things I literally look yeah. at is do they get involved at the guild? That's yeah. an easy one. But easy uh, it one. could be. But, they, but most people they, don't. That's the trip, though. Right. And yeah. if I see your name, you you get involved at right. the guild. We gonna talk. Right. And I know you already are showing a proclivity towards right. that. Um, and to you know the nemesis thing. Yeah, you get to that. Look, man. <laughs> some of this is my own like sort of musings on on how people, you know, get to where they are and what what makes them tick. And so, I start using this. Kasteri, you listening to this? <laughs> they 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 um, dropping game on here. Y'all better turn. Y'all better get your pins out. <laughs> I, I like to throw people off in interviews, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's important. It gives you a sense of how they might be in the room. Okay. Um, it also gives me a sense of uh, where, uh, wh- what, how much time have you spent figuring out who you are? Mm. Right? That's really important. Okay. If you know who you are, you probably have a good sense of what you want. If you have a good sense of what you want, like for real, then you already are starting to shape right. a strategy to how to get there. Right. Now, if I'm hiring an assistant and, and they can't tell me what their goal is to be in five years, I'm not hiring you. Mm. Because you're going to get underpaid. So now you're just going to do clocking in, clocking mm-hmm. out, because you don't really have a goal. If you don't see this position as a stepping stone, <laughs> I can't have you. No, right. I can't have you. Right. And I'm going to feed you as much as I can, because that means I'm going to get the be- the be- like two things. I'm going to get a great assistant, mm-hmm. because they see this as a stepping stone, right? And I'm going to have... Uh, some an ally out there in the future because I've helped them get to somewhere. So those that's one of the first things I ask. Where do you see yourself going? Mm-hmm. And where do you see yourself in five years? For an assistant. Now, 
I might ask that for writers, but you know, we already in the career path mm-hmm. that we want to do. Right. One of the ways I'll talk to a writer, I'll say, oh, what's your motto? Do you have a motto? Hmm. I might say, okay, so some people, that's a tough one. So I might say, well, what's your favorite quote? Why is it your favorite quote? Mm-hmm. Why does that resonate with you? That's going to tell me some things about who mm. you are. And the other thing I'll ask is... Uh, These are great. I'm going to steal some of this shit. I, like I, I ask, uh, <clears throat> the, the who's your nemesis is actually a two-parter, right? Because here's my theory. Mm-hmm. For uh, people who try to make it in this business, this is a really tough thing to do. You're trying to express yourself. Right. So if you're in a creative endeavor, you're trying to express yourself. And if you're trying to do it in Hollywood, you're trying to get paid, mm. right? And there's a lot to that. Well, two of the best things that motivate people, one is who are you trying to prove right? Mm. Who was rooting for you? Who made promises to you? Who did things for you? That you want them to be able to look at you and say, God damn, Mm. she made it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And some people, you will hear them talk about it. That just their mother, sometimes their grandmother, she's not even alive anymore, but you know Mm -hmm. they push in memory of their grandmother. Mm -hmm. But the flip side is the nemesis. Mm. Who are you trying to prove wrong? Mm. Who said you ain't gonna be shit? Yeah. Right? Who's trying to get a brother teary eyed and shit? You know I like saying? it. I love it. So or or yes. who did some shit to you mm-hmm. and it and, and even if it was indirect, where you're literally like thinking, and I'm telling you, I've been there mm-hmm. where I'm literally going, one day you're gonna see my face mm-hmm. and you'll be like, What? Mm-hmm. That yeah. motherfucker? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I might drive by your house in my fancy car mm-hmm. like that's some petty shit with the but boom on it it's, like, it's some real <laughs> stuff you know what I'm saying yes, yes. that's where the nemesis is I, yes. I, I think I think David Steinberg oh I love this I think this, David man. Steinberg had asked on Twitter one time how many writers are out here to uh, prove you know to, like, to prove something to somebody else you 99% know? you know and, I, 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 and, and, and to, to me I was like that's a weird question <laughs> I mean, and I'm, I'm kind of it's real though. It's real, but I say to myself, there's a quote I read somewhere. It was in like Neil Gaiman's Sandman about dreams, mm. and it's like, what happens like when you get what you want? It becomes something that you once wanted, mm-hmm. you know. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, does it does it have any does it have any more value to you once you've achieved that? Mm-hmm. And That's I right. was like. That's why I don't think. I mean, for me, it's you know, it's better for me to 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 to, to want what I want for me mm-hmm. or for someone who's believed in me. That's the elevated me. version, right. right? That is the elevated version. Yeah, because see, because if you do it to defeat someone from your past, right. once you get one thing that that is like, ha, there's my name on the screen, there's my name on the billboard, there's my name on the movie yeah. poster. Something is gonna die in you in terms of how you're pushing. Well, here's because, the, here's but the you got to know that they saw it, or that they yeah. know. That's and that's the key, a, that's part of so can right. be part of it. But here's the other piece: mm-hmm. if that becomes the most useful method of motivation, who am I, uh, the chip on the shoulder, mm-hmm. then you will have to manufacture a chip monsters. Yeah. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Room. So you wanna be a writer? 
rider Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing and doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind in the business Got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the Red Room.